The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 105 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I'm the host of the show. We're so glad you decided to join us this week. Before we get into the show, we want to thank our reviewers this week on Apple Podcasts. We had two five-star reviews. They were by C.U. Garcia. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. S.I.U. Garcia, as well as Katie from AZ, which I assume is Katie from Arizona, probably. Thank you so much for your wonderful words and your kind reviews. It sure does help us get found on the various podcast platforms. I also want to thank everybody who's been tuning into our sister podcast, which is called Sharing Time. We did share one episode, and there are four episodes total. We're not going to include them on this stream, but if you search for Sharing Time, you can find us, and it is just a fun show where we sit around and talk about Latter-day Saint culture. We just published our fourth episode, and it has been so much fun to see uh, an audience start to build there. We just love it. Really fun project. This week on the show, my guest is an incredible director. His name is Garrett Batty, and Garrett is the director of films you probably know and love already, such as uh, The Saratov Approach and Freetown. And he has a new film we're going to talk all about called Out of Liberty. And I got to tell you, I've, I've met Garrett a few times. We've known each other a little bit, but I don't, I don't know him super well. And to sit down and talk to him, he is such an insightful, smart, just amazing guy. I loved getting to spend some time with him, and you are going to love him too. And this week in my Latter-day life, I'll share some lessons I learned as a father about being a son. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today here in the Latter-day Live studios, we have a prolific director, writer, film editor. You've done it all. Uh, Garrett Batty, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Yeah, and you've got a new film out we're going to talk about that I can't wait to hear all about. But before we get into this, I want to hear about your younger years. Where are you from, Garrett? Uh, So I, let's see, I grew up in Park City. I was born in Salt Lake, uh, little St. Mark's Hospital. Um... I lived in South Jordan and Riverton growing up. My family moved to Texas for a few years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we lived outside of Dallas. Nice. Uh, and then in, I guess, fifth grade, my family moved to Park City. Do you consider Park City home? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up there and, and graduated school there. And How my, was it growing up in Park City? We grew, I grew up in Park City. They, My mom and dad had always wanted to live in Park City, and this was before it was... Um, you know, the park city that we know is, was, there was more park than city there. And so we, (laughs) (laughs) I like that description. (laughs) And, uh, so when they finally moved in, they moved there, uh, you know, it would have been later eighties. It was still this very small town mountain type vibe. And, and, um, I didn't know anything different. I just knew, Hey, this is where I grew up. And, uh, you know, certainly we immediately started skiing and 
yeah that became a major central point of our life and um i, I loved it i loved growing up there did you grow up in a latter-day saint family yes awesome yeah Park City, for those outside of Utah, we have a big listener base outside of Utah. Park City is, they consider themselves the Utah that's not Utah, kind of. It's yeah, their you own... hear the in, in the world, but not of it. That's Park City in Utah, but not of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Yeah, Park City is its own thing. It's got its own kind of Wild West mentality. Sure. And I love it. It's it's It was a great place to grow up. Were you into film... Like, was this a passion from when you were young? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I had always wanted to be a filmmaker. Mm. Um, that, you know, my first projects in school, you know, second grade, third grade were like, oh, I'm going to try to figure out how to film something or make a movie or whatever it is. And so I, th- that's been a passion of mine forever. And that was back in, what, VHS camcorder yes. days? Yeah, my brother and I uh, kind of hijacked my dad's um, high eight you know, a little high eight Sony cam. Yeah. And the handy cam. Yeah. Did we, you know, had two VCRs kind of duct taped together and <laughs> made an edit bay. And yeah, we knew, we knew that if we could get, uh, you know, when suddenly computers started to come out, we knew that if we could get three gigabytes on a computer, then we could make a feature film. That was kind of our dream. My brother and I started making ski videos. That was our thing. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, we. Uh, I have a brother who's a year and a half older than I am, and we, you know, did everything together. Uh, and he, off, you know, he always included me, and in, it was him doing it. He always included me in in what he was doing. And we got, um, we were thirteen years old. We got jobs at the ski area. With that job came a uh, free season pass. Nice. And so, we we built a little box uh, to hold our camera. And anytime we weren't working at the ski resort, we were skiing and filming. And so, yeah, we filmed these, filmed all our friends going off ski videos and lived every day on, on Warren Miller type videos. And, you know, he's a yeah. filmmaker and makes ski movies. Sure. I mean, I have vivid memories. And anytime I'm editing, vivid memories of like us, uh, you know, me on, on my knees with the little red and white RCA cables trying to get. A tape player to play, you know, Van Halen's jump into the, you know, as we're recording and sync up some sort of ski footage. And I feel I just probably should apologize to everybody that I made watch these ski videos because, you know, we, we, you get a few minutes of footage and then we play it down and then we play it back in slow motion and then we play it down again and we're just begging people to watch it. And uh, so, but it, but it was a fun foundation. Park City is the Sundance Film Festival, so my buddies and I would go to the Sundance Film oh, Festival yeah. with cameras and convince people that we were reporters or doing a... I'm sure <laughs> looking back now, I think in a high school kid with a camera, nobody thought we were reporters. But in our minds, everybody thought we were reporters. And so we'd go to the little after parties and things like that at Sundance and film and interview the actors. Did you ever like get that. to interview any big actors while you were young? We interviewed... Uh, yeah, we interviewed uh, Martin Short. Oh, and this wow. was not at the Sundance thing. This is um, a couple of buddies and I, while in high school, went out to New York City and, on a school trip and ran into Martin Short. He was doing The Goodbye Girl there. And uh, we plotted a plan. I was like, we, we got to interview this guy. This is this could be a life-changing moment, and it certainly was. Uh, so we wrote a letter. We wrote a letter to him. <laughs> And we knew that he was doing the Goodbye Girl, so every day at a certain time, he was going to be at a certain place. 
So we knew that we had about, you know, four or five days in New York, and we were going to figure out how to interview Martin Short. We wrote a letter, and the letter was full of puns, like based on all of the titles of his movies. You know, hey, we, we three amigos know that it would be pure luck to get an interview <laughs> with you, and it was just it was horrible. But <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so we kind of stalked him out and found him on the street, handed him the letter. Um, you know, he looks at us like, oh, thanks, guys, and goes away. And then the next day, you know, we checked in at his stage door, and the next day checked in at his stage door. And finally, he comes out of his stage door, and we said, Martin, did you get the letter? You know, Mr. Short, did you get the letter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think? Can we can we interview you? He goes, yeah, 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 come on back. And so me and my two buddies, we go back with a camera and sit in this in Martin Short's Broadway show dressing room. No way. For 20 That's minutes and awesome. talk to him about everything. He does impressions. We talked to him about Park City and everything like that. Do you still have that footage? We do. It was, uh, yeah, it was a meaningful moment for me. And um, yeah, we got the Boy, footage. if you didn't have the bug before that, getting through, that's got to be also be a moment of, hey, I can do big things. He, yes. And that, I mean, that was, there was that theme in his interview, you know, and he just talked about, you know, that it's hard work and you just keep at it and it's awesome. You can do it and who knows what could happen. So you get done with high school, you've got this burgeoning film thing going on. Where did you go after high school? Uh, I immediately went on my mission. Yeah, uh, where'd you go? Served in New York City. So you ended up back in New York. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, I've always had a love for New York. And in fact, I was, I think it was on my mission where I was going through my, you know, my seminary scriptures as a freshman. We had a seminary assignment um, to give ourselves a mission call. And that's where I called myself, New York City. Wow. And uh, yeah, so, you know, there Did I Did you ever am. serve in Manhattan? We didn't. I served in New York City South. So it was mm. Brooklyn, Queens, and uh, Long Island, Staten Island. Which is true true new york i've spent a ton of time in that whole area i love it yeah absolutely great yeah but how was your mission it was perfect for me yeah it was exactly what i needed i had a mission president uh president uh walter bailey walter john bailey from australia and uh he just opened my eyes to kind of spirit of the law and doing what the spirit directs and being confident in pursuing that he was he was it was perfect did you get to do any film on your mission, or was that a, we, a break from it? At, at President Bailey's encouragement, it was, you know, hey, figure out how to have your passions be part of missionary work and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, there was there were lots of opportunities to, you know, use, use a camcorder and record things. And uh, I'm trying to think. every One thing, every quarter we could go to Manhattan um, and, like, see a play or do... do uh, a touristy type. That's an awesome P day. And it was great. Yeah. So yeah. our missionaries, our, our president was very um, accommodating to, you know, these 19 year old kids and their excitement for being in New York City. Oh, that is awesome. Get home from your mission. Where'd you go? I, uh, I went to BYU. I, I, um, I didn't anticipate or didn't appreciate perhaps what a unique experience that is and that not everybody gets that type of experience. Yeah. Um, in school, in high school, I was the, you know, art school, uh, Sterling scholar for, which, you know, scholarship for, uh, for speech and debate or drama or whatever it was. And, wow. um, BYU was the only school that didn't offer me <laughs> any sort of scholarship. And as a kid, it just didn't register that, Hey, maybe that's not an option then mm. that you'd go to BYU. And, um, 
but yeah, so at when I came home, I didn't really apply to anywhere else. I kind of, I mean, it felt like not an application process, but just like a, hey, come sign up. Um, yeah. And I just didn't appreciate what it was. What'd you study at BYU? I studied film. Yeah. My plan was to go. I, I, I didn't necessarily want to go to college. I knew that I wanted to go out to LA and, and work in film. Yeah. Um, but I could envision myself having conversations with my you know, future children saying, Dad, did you graduate college? And I didn't want to have to say no. And so I said, look, I'm going to go to college. I will be done in three years. I will get out of this as quickly as I can and just go to L.A. And, and, I think and that says a lot about your character, that you had that much forethought. I don't think most people do. I didn't. To think about, what will I tell my children? Do you have a memorable film project from BYU? Um, sure. Me, my, uh, yeah, we were doing our senior films. We're getting ready to do our senior projects. Um, and I was there at a time where, you know, guys like, uh, Jared Hess Mm. was just, uh, just about a year or two behind me. And Jared Hess of Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, Sure. Heard of his success. Yeah. So, uh, there was a kind of a little, a great solid group of people there. Kind of a Renaissance time. Yeah. Yeah. BYU film. Yeah, and it was also the time where, you know, um, we saw saw the start of this kind of Latter Day Saint film movement, and yeah. God's Army was coming out and things like that. Right. Um, as far as the, yeah, to answer your question, there was a uh, we were doing our senior projects, and I wrote a script that I was very excited about, um, and this was going to do, and we and we I was excited to get people excited to do it, so we all bring our scripts to to read and decide which project we're going to do. And uh, the class was set up that we'd read our scripts together and then vote, and, you know, maybe do two or three projects. And um, we all read our scripts, and I felt really good about mine when I stood up. And then we read a script called The Wrong Brother, written by Chris Bowman and Hubble Palmer, who are now, <laughs> you know, writers to watch in Los Angeles and have done, done incredible films. And I, and I actually, I don't know if it was Hubble, but Chris Bowman did this. And it was so funny and so ingenious that I was like, no, that's, I want to pursue that movie. I want to pursue that story. And seeing, you know, getting to work with these guys and saying, look, film is more of a collaborative process. It's not just like my idea and let's do this. Yeah. It's about finding the right story and, and you know, building the right team. And so that's the, that's a memorable project for me. You got involved in comedy in another way, in a way that's near and dear to my heart. How did you get involved with uh, the Garen's Comedy Troupe? So yeah, BYU, I joined the Garen's Comedy Troupe. And I had always been interested in doing comedy. I had never wanted to be an actor. I don't want to be an actor or mm. have anything to do with that. I That's a talent I don't have, and I admire anybody that can do that. Um, but I'd always, I kind of have a, a an interest in, in yeah. comedy. And so I went to the Garen's comedy troupe as a freshman at BYU. And you came in right after I left. Did you just you had just left it? I think I had just left. What year was that? I was there. Started in ninety seven. Yeah, I think I left. Right. I left mid ninety seven. Okay. So, yeah, we must have just missed each other there. So my very first Garen show, you know, I, I'm there as a as an audience member, having you know heard of the Garens maybe and. Thought okay yeah well, let's yeah. go see this, and they called me up as an audience volunteer, and uh, you know I did this little um, you know improv game with them, and that was it. I was hooked, and I thought this is 
this was a bad mistake because it's going to change my life forever. It's a rush. You get that laugh on stage. I'm telling you, it's a rush, right? Yeah, it, it was an absolute rush. And I had no business being up there and no interest in being an actor or anything like that. And so, but sure enough, like the next week, I'm there auditioning for the Garens. It's awesome. Make the, make the, make the team and uh, or the troupe and perform with the Garens for the rest of the time that I was at school. It's, I met my, my wife uh, doing a Garens show. Um, was she in the Garens or was she there watching? No, she was she was there watching. Yeah. And the people with whom I interact, I mean, the Lincoln Hoppe, Eric Snyder, these founders of the Garens. Sure. Still interact today. Me too. And still friends with all those guys. It's amazing what a foundation that was for so many of us. And a lot of them, I, I say them, a lot of us have gone on to do a lot of big work. I mean, Lincoln is a full-time actor, you know? I mean, that's, yeah. I, I, it's hard to state how big the Garens was, you know? We used to have, we used to perform in the, the law building in a big theater room. There were lines around the block. People would start lining up at, you know, four o'clock for a six o'clock show. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, to, to think of the people that were in there. Lisa Valentine Clark, who's... Who's now got the Lisa show every day. She's got a big radio show. Plus, she's on half the commercials you see on TV. Yeah, right. Yeah. And to hear her story where she, you know, became a member of the Garens just because, in her words, that they needed a girl. Yeah. Um, and to think that that's that's changed so many of our lives. Yeah. Like that little club. I was only in the Garens for a year, but I counted as my training ground and some of the, the, the closest friendships I have. You know, there's there's a special bond. I think film is the same way, though, right? Like, when you go through a film with someone, when you make art, you're spending all day on set. I mean, you know, I have limited film experience, but the things I've done, you later, five, ten years, fifteen years later, that bond remains. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that, yeah, is that the creative process? Is that what that is? I think so. I think, you know, by nature, that's what we are becoming, is creators, Mm. And so that's a very, I think it's a very, it's like a preview, like a little elementary uh, training ground for eventually what we're going to be becoming. Not that we're all going to be comedians. No, but that's pretty deep. I never thought of that as creative being creators. and the, But that's true. That's what we're doing. So tell us about your, you met your wife. How does this turn into <laughs> a thing? Like she's there well, watching a show. At school. In addition to the Garens, I got a job at uh, BYU TV, KBYU back is what it was at the time. And her sister and I worked together. Her sister was in the film program. Mm. And she kept saying, hey, you, you, should, uh, you should ask my sister out when she, when she comes to college. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I'm thinking, well, let's see, I'm, I'm going to graduate and go to L.A. and you know, dating a, a, a new incoming freshman is not part of that plan. The, her reason is because, and she'd say this, she says, you should ask my sister because she's short. And she, <laughs> she could tell you, I'm five feet four. And so um, she knew that that might be a good option for me. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And so, no, I, and I told her no, and this went on for about a year. And then we were performing, the Garens were performing at the incoming freshman orientation show it was always my favorite show i did it twice that was so fun it was a big show it was at the wilk oh and yeah it just filled that place Packed. and so i'm up there doing this show and here comes kelly this girl i work with 
And she says, hey, guess who's here? I, says, I don't know who's here. Who's here? And she says, my sister. I'm like, okay. She says, you want to meet her? I was like, okay, sure, sure. And uh, so we <laughs> met her at halftime. And that was it. I'm like, oh, that was the end. I might stick around a little bit. <laughs> How long have you guys been married now? We just celebrated our 19th anniversary. That is awesome. Yeah. Garrett, that is such a cool story. <laughs> Does your sister-in-law now every time go see? See? Yes. See, remember, don't don't forget. It's because of me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> we're, we're, we obviously remain good, close friends today. Yeah. And, so yeah. you graduate from BYU. Did you head to LA from there, like planned? I did, yes. Uh, I waited one more year. Uh, Sherry is my wife's name, and she, she was very... Um, understanding and 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 supportive and encouraging of that dream and so i said look i've always wanted to go to la um my plan was to go there immediately after i graduated well how fast can you graduate <laughs> and she she compressed her time she was there at, she got her degree in three wow. years and wow. then the day after she graduated we headed out to la holy cow now la i've had we've had several guests here who split time yeah Inevitably, I think a lot of filmmakers split time between Utah and L.A. are back and forth, uh, or they settle in L.A. for a while, then back here for a while. Um, last Wednesday night, I was at Disneyland with our mutual friend Bryce Randall, uh-huh. as a matter of fact, who's oh, a great yeah. editor who uh, lives out in L.A. now, but comes out here to do work sometimes. Uh, yeah. I think now he's pretty settled in L.A., we were talking about you the other night. He was asking who was coming up. He's great. Bryce is just awesome. But talk about the Latter-day Saint film community in Los Angeles. Uh, it, it was, from from my perspective, it was uh, very strong. I mean, it was a great, great soft landing, you know, uh, space for a couple of kids that were just out of college. I didn't know anybody. We didn't have any contacts out there and you know um you always hear oh be careful when you go out to la you know the film industry is all all corrupt and and you move out to la and you might as well just kind of sign your (laughs) sign away everything you had and um that was not the case for us we moved out there and felt immediately welcomed by the film community we moved to burbank again not knowing at all where we were going beforehand uh and probably about 70% of our ward is somehow involved in the film industry. Yeah. Just wonderful people. Mm. Um, yeah, everybody, from, you know, from HR people to editors to creative people to business-minded people. And um, it, was our, it was our type of people. We absolutely yeah. loved it. And someone who would come back into your film life was in your ward, Sean Stevens, right? Yes. Yeah, Sean Stevens. Sean Stevens, former guest, teen idol star. Incre- yeah. Just Great a actor. Wonderful. Yeah, and we had no clue who Sean Stevens was other than the guy that sat next to the bishop on our uh, <laughs> <laughs> at church on Sunday. Yeah. You know, and come to find out he's this this yeah, 70s, 80s Megastar. major yeah. major star. Cover of Tiger Beat magazine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love to give him a hard time about whenever I see him. Yeah, uh, Sean and I go to lunch every so often and Yeah, he's just a love good guy. guy. Gosh, he's yeah. good. So you're out there. Where did that take you? What was your we, do you, What was your first job? In yeah, LA? we we had no we had no plan other than hmm. we knew that we had about a year's worth of savings, and we figured, hey, we could we could get out there for a year, and surely, you know, in our minds, surely we'll be uh, 
you know, entertainment executives by the end of that year, you know, and it's, Sherry's not in the entertainment business. She doesn't care about film other than to support what I do. So yeah, she, but she was willing, she was on board. Well, a year of savings in Provo is a different from a year of savings in Burbank. <laughs> Just in taxes. And so, yeah. <laughs> Parking. So yeah. we get out there and realize, we, okay, we got three months. We got 90 days to make this work. And if it doesn't, then we'll, you know, tuck our tail between our legs and head back, head home. Um, and we were fortunate. So in that 90 days, you know, people would, people would say, hey, you need to do temp jobs anytime you can. And we, we took those. We were great, uh, gratefully uh, took temp jobs while kind of pounding the pavement and, and doing everything that we could to survive. And one of the things we did is we said, look, we know that we're, we're not, I don't know, we, we don't have full-time jobs. We don't, all of our time, 100% of our time is going to be towards sustaining ourselves, like finding some sort of employment. And we thought, well, there are service opportunities. And so we committed. We said, look, in the next 90 days, anytime there is an opportunity to serve, mm. let's do that. And we feel like that's something we, we know we can do. And people will people will always need service partners. So anytime there was like, you know, hey, we need a volunteer for the prayer, hands first up, whatever, too. We got to do a canning assignment. We got to um, go to the church farms and, and pick apples. And one th- the thing we noticed is that any time we did that, any time we spent, you know, a day doing some sort of service, there was always a phone call or a message or something with an employment opportunity, like a temp employment thing. That is it wasn't awesome. necessarily film related, but that was just kind of the a, a blessing that that we recognized and have continued to try to our best to keep and say, look, it's not about ourselves. You know, that's mm. just that's just the man, that's just manna. We know manna is going to come, but yeah. we're, we're about serving. And so my wife is, is still, she's much better at it than I am. But <laughs> anytime there's an opportunity to serve, um, she's there, she's there. And we try to be there. That's awesome. What, what was happened? Your... So what happened? So, yeah. So what was your first film break? Day 89. It was day 89. Day 89 of, of 90. Of 90. We knew there's like, this is not going to work. Like, Okay, we're gonna write our last rent check and then start looking. And uh, I got a call from a guy in our ward, Sean Austin, um, not the actor, uh, not Sean Aston, not Sean, Sean Aston. Austin. Sean Austin run uh, ran a post production facility there, and said, "Hey, we we understand you do a little editing. Will you come? You know, show us what you got. Come uh, cut this trailer for it was, uh, you know." Was it Lion King now on DVD and home video or whatever? He said, come cut this trailer. And wow. That that's a lit, big one, though. It was, well, maybe it was Lion King Circle of Life or whatever. Whatever yeah, it was. Lion King it was a, two a spin or, three. Off or something. Sure, but still. It, it, yeah, it was a big one. And to his, I mean, I'm eternally grateful to Sean for reaching out and saying, hey, you know, come come give this a shot. That was day 80, That was day 89. And on day 90, we, I had freelance, consistent freelance work with him. That is awesome. So you got into editing. Yeah, and that was my skill at, at school. I mean, I, I knew that I wanted to be, my passion was directing, um, but I didn't want to go out to L.A. without, you know, just saying, hey, I want to direct. I needed a skill. Yeah. And so I did. I, you know, traded in those high eight decks for, for edit equipment and 
So somehow you end up back in Utah. I know that because you live not far from me. Darn it, if my wife didn't one day say, hey, we got to move back to Utah. Really? Just out of the blue? Out of the blue. She you was... hadn't had these other discussions or anything? No, no, not at all. Wow. She was a, uh, she, while I was working in film, she was running a very successful uh, gymnastics program. Mm. And um, I come home one day and she says, I think we got to move back to Utah. We said, Sherry, wait, that's not, that's, wait, what? <laughs> and, that's uh, not the plan. That's not the plan. Wait, where were we at? Yeah. And... And as as some of your other guests have mentioned, we prayed about it. The big mistake was we prayed about it. Gosh, it's that prayer. It gets you every time. And, uh, I mean, we were... This was, again, Sean, this was at a time where we had just qualified for, like, to, to purchase a home in Burbank. Burbank was doing this new, like, you know, low entry-level income yeah. homes. And um, this... I mean, we just qualified for that. It was like winning the lottery. And she said, hey, before we do that, I think we need to go to Utah. We prayed about it, and it was one of those moments where it was like, yeah, this is a fork in the road, we'll, and and we got to choose where we feel like we need to go. And so we literally, within two months, had purchased a, a home online. It's kind of sight unseen in, uh, wow. in Draper, and packed up everything and headed back. So you get back to Utah... Not in L.A. anymore. Not in L.A. And Utah has a thriving film market, but very different from Los Angeles. Yeah. Had you kept a lot of your connections here? I had been very fortunate out in L.A. to... um, One of the things that kept me... Kept us fed was, in addition to editing, I I was designing and authoring DVDs. Mm. And which... You know, for those that don't know, DVD was a format that we used to watch movies on. <laughs> you used to buy this physical silver thing. <laughs> you so, slipped it into a machine and you could watch a movie. So, yeah. yeah so I went out to L.A. and uh, about that time, God's Army came out in, on film. You know, um, then Dave Hunter put out, you know, made Singles Award. Yeah. And all of these films were coming out and yet nobody n- knew what to do after putting the movie in theaters. Um, and so, I mean, and I, I, let's say I don't want to, it's not like they didn't know. They knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, right, they just needed, nobody knew how to put the yeah, movie on DVD. You had to have, you had to have the, the equipment and the knowledge how to author them. So I reached out to Dave and every other filmmaker I could and said, hey, this is what I'm doing out in LA. I'd love to um, be involved in what you need. And so, yeah, my first project, I think, was the, the DVD for the RM. Awesome. Um, so we designed the menus and I love that stuff. We designed the menus and kind of created the world of the film before the film and, um, did, did one of yours, the Latter-day Night Live DVD and... Oh, did you do the, that yeah, one? Yeah, all the Hailstorm <laughs> stuff and... It's fun. Did Hailstorms and then Excel Entertainment who had done... Yeah. Saints and Soldiers and Work in the Glory, they called and said, hey, come, come do these, or let us send you your movies. So that, that kept my foot in Utah and like, hey, here's... Yeah. And it and it really got me interested in kind of this LDS film movement. Said, "Wow, these are um, there's a market there." It must have made it a lot easier. You know, we talked, we've had Dave Hunter on the show, and we've had Dave Nibley and Michael Berklin, a lot of the actors who were involved in that time. We had Brian Bruff on the show. A lot of people who, during that time, really got their feet under them. Did that make it easier to come back to Utah to see? Okay, there's a lot happening. I don't want to sound. We would have come back either way. Yeah, we felt we should come back, and there was still a question of like, well, what are we gonna do? I mm. mean, that's 
it's great, but my passion is film, and how are we going to do that? So you get back to Utah. Where did uh, where'd you go from there? Um, I set up a little office and, and said, okay, I'm going to try to create films here. Or What's the name of your film production company? Film companies is Three Coin Productions. All right, so I'm dying to know because I knew that. <laughs> Where did Three Coin Productions come from? So it's, uh, it's certainly a reference to the Frank Sinatra song, Three Coins, Three Coins in a Fountain. Three Coins in a Fountain, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Which is a great song. Uh, great song. Uh, and, you know, kind of has some neat meaning, each one seeking happiness and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and, and then uh, it, it was, part of it came from this trip I referred to back in the New York trip where we met Martin Short, those three friends of mine. We were kind of the three coins, you know. We, awesome. So it was kind of a, yeah. I love hearing, there's, uh, filmmakers all have a story behind their production company. Yeah, names. I know. I love hearing them. So. And it never is the story, hey, this was a good business idea. <laughs> <laughs> this is marketable. It's always creative. No, it's always no, three, coin. three coins. We're like, really? Great... That sounds kind of cheap. No. <laughs> <laughs> three coins is a great name. So what was your first big production for three coins? We did, I did a lot of corporate video and things like that but the but the the goal was to say i'm gonna make a uh i'm gonna do like a production company so that it can feed you know and fund my films yeah that again as a filmmaker i'm not a business guy that was not a good business plan uh (laughs) so yeah my first my first film well i'll talk about one my first big project where i saw the business side of it was a dvd game called the hearsay game hmm. there used to be a thing called the scripture mastery verses right and um my wife challenged me out in la to memorize all these scripture mastery verses nice and i said okay well i can do that because i can make a dvd game out of it and so i designed all these menus and created this game and sold it to desert book um and this was one where Link, you know, Lincoln Hoppe, the founder of the Garens, yeah, one of the founders of the Garens, sure. came and did the voiceover and things ah, like that. And awesome. so it was like this fun thing. It was like, oh, I get to interact with all my friends, and do something I love, and make, you know, make make it work as a business thing. And so the hearsay game is what that was, and that sold into Desert Book and sold enough copies to um, do a couple more versions of it and do all the scripture masteries and thought, okay, we could maybe make this work. When we moved back out here, the next project I did was a movie called Scout Camp. Yeah. That oh, this will be fun. This will we'll make this little. Which is a fun movie. Scout Camp is a lot of fun. That's kind of you to say. It I, it certainly was a fun movie to to make, and yeah, yes, and I won't discount it. There were a lot of people that put a lot of effort into it, and. Uh, did you direct Scout Camp? Yeah, wrote and directed it. So was that your first feature? feature? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How is that cutting your teeth on a full feature? It it was uh it was a dream come true honestly, mm. right? Had everything you had done prepared you for it, or were you still just kind of caught off guard as to how big of a thing directing is? No, I think that um you know I had tried to do little things like uh you know short films and 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 um some longer format stuff to to try to prepare for that. So yes, every year I'd participate in the LDS Film Festival, you know, and yeah. do a 24-hour fest and then write a seven-page script and then shoot that and submit that and just try to really mm. make sure I could do this. Uh, and filming Scout Camp was um, certainly part of that, you know, part of that training helped helped me film Scout Camp. I think a feature film is a, a beast all in, 
all on its own. Scout camp was did, did it took me about three years to recover from as far as financially. You know, I really? put a lot of my own money into it, and um, which I would not recommend ever doing. Mm. Um, but when it, when it didn't go, you know, according to plan, um, I for the first time in my life I had to, I got a full time job, I got a job at the church, and I was very grateful for that. But we kind of shut down Three Coin for for a little bit, and went and got a job at the church, working um, producing Mormon messages for YouTube. Awesome. Which was great. How rewarding that must be. I, it was a dream come true. I just thought, you know, here I had this project that failed financially and thought, oh, that was my dream. That was my shot or my mm. one chance. And uh, it was about that time that, yeah, the church released its first Mormon message, which was an Easter message. And I remember watching that on YouTube and just saying, I would give anything I had to work on this type of content mm. like that. That's what this is for. It's not necessarily for, I don't know. That's what, that's what I see myself in this. Yeah. Incredible. And so, yeah, within that, within kind of uttering that thought out loud, everything at three coin just totally shut down. And, you know, here's this business I've been running since, since college. Yeah. And it absolutely shut down. And then I got a call saying, hey, we're doing some stuff for the church. Would you mind coming and and being a part of this team? It's got to be so rewarding working on Mormon messages. It was. I was listening to general conference talks during the day and writing ideas on how to put those on film. It was... Uh, Jeez, Garrett, that's again, awesome. It was powerful. You're licking your wounds because Scout Camp really didn't, like, I mean, yeah, the, I don't know, 90% of films? I mean, this is a common thing that yes. films don't make money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people think of Hollywood and they see the the numbers an Avengers makes. Most films don't make money. Yeah, right. Most people don't see most films, and so, and and as a filmmaker, that's a hard thing to accept. But we're kind of like in the in the dessert business, and we just make a you make a cake, and <laughs> you're just begging people to 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 eat it, and you just think, you know what, people one don't have to eat dessert. Yeah, and two. They already have dessert that they like. Like, why yeah, would there's they? No shortage of yeah, there's no shortage there. of Twinkies out there. Right. <laughs> and so here I am trying to say, hey, I made a Twinkie better than Hostess, and then I go, no, you didn't. I'll stick with Hostess. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it's a hard thing. Yeah. At while working for the church, you know, it, it almost became this running joke. But uh, anytime we were in a meeting or anything, you know, people say, hey, any other comments or questions? I was always the guy raising my hand, say, when are we gonna do a feature film? Let's do a feature film. And, and, you know, like, oh, that's funny. You know, at first it was, like, oh, maybe. And I was like, no, that's funny. That's, no, we just don't do that. Okay, stop, stop. And it just kind of evolved. And so I thought, I got to do this on my own. Um, I wrote, I, I remember hearing about this news article of missionaries that were kidnapped in Russia back when I was a student at BYU. I remember hearing that and thinking, man, that'd be a cool film one day. Good luck for the filmmaker that gets to do that. Um, and that thought started popping up in my in my head while while doing while working at the church, and yeah. so I'd I'd work at the church during the day and go and write at night. And how how much did you stick with the actual story versus did you just use that as a jumping off point, or how close is it to what actually happened? No, it's it's accurate. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I reached out to those the missionaries, uh, Probst and Tuttle, 
reached out to them and sat with them in, in a home in Boise for three days hearing their story and then basically transcribed that pretty much to, to film. I'll, I'll be careful not to put down any other filmmakers because I, I really want to be careful about this. To me, there are two categories. There are great Latter-day Saint films, and then there are great films that are about Latter-day Saint topics. To me, the Saratov Approach is a great film. Forgetting everything else, you can be anybody off the street. You've never heard of the church. It's a great film. Was the Saratov Approach, especially after maybe I hear a little bit of disappointment with how Scout Camp overall sure. went, how rewarding was the Saratov Approach? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think even a, today I realize how, how rare that was. I mean, it was a wonderful, wonderful, rewarding experience. And so many things, so many lessons that I had learned, um, I feel like the business side of it, we kind of really hit a home run with that. We said, look, okay, scout camp cost X amount. Well, we got to do Saratov for less if we ever want to recoup. Um, and then the story side of it, you know, we had years of working at the church and a lot of the, the mission of creating more messages was how do we reach a YouTube audience? How do we reach an audience that is not necessarily seeking out church content? And that's, that was somewhat of the, the, um, the approach with which I took uh, the story about Saratov. And Saratov was a big hit. It was. We, you know, we worked, I worked for a year trying to get that thing funded and another year trying to get the thing written. Um, and then, you know, we were so excited that, that the movie was done and we we're going to put it in the theaters. And again, the, the dessert analogy, the theaters are like, no, we don't want a movie that's not from Hollywood. Yeah. And so, we have all of this great, in our mind, this great movie, and we're going to get it out there. And our distributor comes back and says, we're going to open it on 22 screens. And we just thought, oh, you know, that's not, we can't make a living off of that. That's not going to work. Um, but we did. We opened it on 22 screens, and it was the, it, it beat out, you know, it was the highest per screen average that weekend in every theater it played in. And, yeah, we got written up in, you know, the Hollywood trades. And from there, it, it took off. We were in theaters for six months, playing wow. all over the country. It's got to be so rewarding. It, it was. It is. It still is. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm so grateful for Andy Props and Travis Tuttle for being willing to share their story. We watched it as a family, and I was so moved by it. You really capture, and you have a good knack for capturing the intensity without needing to make it a rated R style film. Was that tough? Were there times where you thought, man, if I could only have, maybe have it be a little bit more graphic or whatever? No, uh, th thank you for that. No, no. Like, the, I think the opposite. I think the feeling and my concern was, and still is, you know, I'm going to show missionaries, the, the iconic you know, face yeah. of missionary work get pummeled. Mm -hmm. And how much do our viewers really want to see that? And for that reason, I mean, it was hard to raise money for it. It was hard. Uh, you know, any any Utah distributor passed on it and said, no, that's, you know, interesting, interesting idea, but no, we're not going to make a movie about missionaries getting beat up and kidnapped. We watched it with young teens. I never felt like it crossed the line. Yeah. I felt like it conveyed the intensity 
And I think that's a thin line to walk. I think you did it really well. Thank you. So you finished Saratov Approach. It's this great success. Everybody's excited. Yeah. What film came next for you? So we immediately um, started working on Freetown. Yeah. Yeah, and this story of these uh, missionaries that were fleeing a civil war in Liberia. Was that based on a true story? It was, yeah. There's wow. a church history article um, that kind of caught my attention about these missionaries. And so with that, I went into like the church archives and found their recorded you know, accounts of what these missionaries went through. I thought this would be a fun, this would, not, not fun, this would be a very powerful movie. Yeah. So how was the experience of Freetown? With Freetown, uh, it was just an amazing experience. This was a very difficult film to shoot. Um, I was so grateful to be able to team up with Adam Abel mm. uh, from Go Films. He does, you know, he did the Saints and Soldiers movies and yeah. Forever Strong. Um, and so when he came on board, I just thought, wow, this is, we're, you know, this is fantastic to be able Where to Where did you support. shoot Freetown? We shot in Accra in Ghana. That amazing. Um, yeah, we wanted to shoot. Yeah, I mean, the goal, it's set in Liberia. And uh, we reached out to, you know, go to Liberia, reached out to the mission presence there, and and they, they said, don't come here. This is not a safe place, and don't come shoot a movie here. Said, okay, that's good to know. Good to know. So we made the plans to shoot in Ghana, and the minute, the, the, you know, the month that we started shooting, that's when the Ebola outbreak happened in Liberia. And so, again, more, I mean, we're, it, it was, just, it was, you know, it, it's a difficult place. Uh, the story came out of a very difficult place, and mm. they continue to have their difficulties and challenges. Yeah. And so it was even more important that we try to tell this story the right way. And um, So all this comes together for the newest film that we're here to talk about. How did Out of Liberty come together? So Out of Liberty is a story of Liberty Jail. Mm. It's a Western, again, same type of thing, Western jailbreak movie first. And then it happens to have Latter-day Saint characters in it. Um, but yeah, it's the story of Liberty Jail. And about a year uh, a year before, you know, Out of Liberty started, a guy came into my office and said, hey, here's this script. Would you take a look at it? And it was this just an amazing, uh, this is Stephen Dethlov came in. And he has this amazing script about Joseph Smith's martyrdom. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's a great movie, but it's much bigger than I could than I can do right now. Um, and I said, well, I'd, I'm very interested in telling the story of Liberty Jail. And he said, uh, there's really not a story there. You know, <laughs> they were hungry and had a revelation and then left. And uh, I said, go look. And I think there's a story there. And I thought I'd never see him again. And he came back a year later with a script and said, you were right, here's a story. And the things that he was able to find um, were just so compelling and so relevant to mm. today uh, this kind of themes of m mob rule and how do we how do we disagree with each other but on a civil way and what happens when we don't do that and it was just really really well done and i thought okay there's something here so i optioned the script from him and then he and i and another writing partner rewrote several drafts and got it to where it needed to be as far as film you know how to how to make it a a cinematic a, a story worthy of theaters yeah um, and yeah, we were able to go from there. So do you have now a, a group of investors that work with you regularly or each time are you striking out new? Each time. 
Wow. And now, yeah, I mean, I am fortunate that some of the Saratov and Freetown investors have continued to be on board, but it's always usually about kind of the same amounts where the films are getting bigger and bigger. And so I have to always constantly, constantly find new investors that I have to convince them that why they would do this. It's a, it's a major risk. And not only are we making film, but we're making film that caters often or is perceived to cater to an LDS audience. Yeah. So it's just smaller and smaller, you know, uh, glass ceiling, smaller and smaller opportunity. And yet I'm so grateful that people still come in and do that. But I've heard out of Liberty described multiple times now as a true great Western film. Good. And that's what we're going for. Yeah. And it, and it is, I mean, here's this, it's a jailbreak. You know, you think of your Westerns and it's like, we've got guns and horses and guys (laughs) trying to, you got guys trying to just forget the fact that they're Larry Saints. You got Missouri's most wanted men that are held in jail and you got a mob outside that wants to kill them. And these guys that are being held in jail are so miserable that they're trying to escape knowing that the mob wants to kill them. And there's one guy that's caught in the middle and that's the jailer. The jailer is Sam Tillery. He's probably a local, you know, Missouri resident. Maybe the mob is his friends. Yeah. He knows these guys are Missouri's most wanted individuals. He knows that they're in his jail. And yet maybe they don't quite live up to the rumors or, you know, he's kind of curious, like, what's the deal with these guys? Because they have family that comes and visits them. (laughs) And so there's all these elements that that are perfect for Western. Who plays the jailer? Jason Wade. Yeah, Jason Wade is from you know Seventeen Miracles and uh, Cokeville Miracle and awesome and just an incredible incredible actor and you, he you does have this great casts. I mean, you have incredible people you put together. It's a cast of leading men. Yeah, it really is. It's an ensemble movie starring some of the best leading men actors that we have in in this space. So I haven't seen the film yet. I'll be excited to take my family to see it when it comes out officially in theaters. It comes out what date? Friday, September 13th. September 13th. Friday, September 13th. So we'll be taking our family. But I know several people have been to the previews. Rave reviews. Oh, that's good. And I mean rave reviews. That's great. Uh, Not the least of which last night was a multiple set of texts from my mother, (laughs) uh, who somehow my mom goes to previews and I don't. So she's, she's living the Hollywood life that I'm not. But she raved about it. She said it was just a phenomenal film. It's, I'm, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, everybody just did such a good job and it's fun to showcase their talents. It's, it, it's good of you to spread the credit around. At the end of the day, you're the director. How rewarding is it to sit there and watch it? Going back to where you were as kind of a high school kid watching your little ski films, do you still get that same satisfaction when you, I mean, are you able to enjoy it or are you thinking about everything as a director still? For sure. No, it's an enjoyable thing. And I think, you know, if you, you, you hike up a mountain and you take some time at the summit to appreciate it. And I think that's what showing it in a theater is for me, knowing that, you know, there are lots of other mountains around and lots of more hikes to go on. But at this (laughs) point, let's appreciate this moment. What age is out of Liberty for? Somebody asked that last night at our, at our Q and A. And I asked the audience and they said, you know, they pointed to their eight year old Son, they're like, my son's eight, and he loved it. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we're rated PG. Um, there's, there's a little gunplay violence. And, and so, but according to the audience, bring, if you're at the age of accountability, show up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Eight and up, bring the whole family. I am so excited to see this movie. Uh, how has this film changed your relationship uh, with Joseph Smith or your understanding of him? Um, I, you know, I've, I've always had a love for Joseph and certainly I've tried to have an awareness of times where he's been portrayed on film. And, um, I, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of variety out there in portrayals of him. Mm -hmm. And so in an effort to, you know, as a filmmaker and to try to represent my, my take on him, I, I think that there's, I don't know, my approach has been very cautious to say, how do we, how do we take what I perceive as Joseph and put that in a film and hope that people accept that as their take on him. Yeah. Um, and so to answer your question, it has helped me to appreciate the human side mm. of Joseph more so than perhaps um, I've, I've seen. We cast Brandon Olive. He's an actor out of L.A., uh, recently relocated his, his family to Utah for no other reason that he didn't want to be in L.A. Um, he was unfamiliar with Joseph Smith's, you know, with Joseph Smith um, and approached him from a, his, an historical figure. And so to see his take on Joseph has helped me to see more of the human side and in, in a strange way, it's helped me grow to appreciate and love the prophetic side of him more. And I heard an interview with him uh, where he was saying, how did I not know this story? And I think one of the great things about films like Out of Liberty is we grow up hearing Liberty Jail, Joseph Smith. We kind of hear it from the time we're little. I mean, I was raised in the church. We hear it all the time. It's almost easy to take it for granted. And yet when this actor who had never heard of Joseph Smith he says, how, has, how is this story not everywhere? It's the greatest story. It gives it, it all puts it kind of in perspective. So if people want to see Out of Liberty, what's the best way for them to find it? Uh, go to our website, outofliberty.com. We, again, we open in theaters in Utah and Arizona on, uh, on September 13th. Yeah, so go to your local theater and, uh, and push for this. And to those in Utah and Arizona... You know, we, we, we have a tendency as saints, we've said this before on the show, to sometimes complain about the bad that's in the world. It does nothing if we're not going out and supporting the good that's in the world. And this is the good. And this is a great family opportunity. Friday, September 13th, go see this movie with your family. And the more box office it does in Utah and in Arizona, the more chance it has to for a longer life, for more theaters in the Intermountain West, and then throughout the country, we, we have an opportunity to support this and, and really make it a big thing. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's, I'm really, uh, really excited for you, Garrett. Yeah. Are you getting sleep again yet or no? Well, uh, this is a good, yeah, we will. Sleep will come. There's plenty of time to sleep. <laughs> I think it's just awesome, Garrett. This has been such a fun chance to sit down and to have this conversation. Uh, we're going to wrap up with the question that we ask all of our guests, which is, Garrett, what does being a member of the church mean to you? I, I can tell you that uh, looking back and, and your, your podcast, listening to different podcasts has helped me to see this. Um, and I love that what your podcast does and, and we'll kind of maybe work this into your question is if we take a chance to, you take one hour and kind of explore your life journey. Mm. And for me, as 
as I do that with you and, and I see the church as, um, I mean, that is, that is the foundation for my life journey. And so being a member of the church, I guess, means to me that this, this constant anchor that I have. Now, certainly, my membership in the church is based on my testimony of Jesus Christ, my love of Jesus Christ. So that is this anchor. And all of the decisions that we've made, that I've made throughout my life, have been influenced and um, sort of buoyed up because of that membership in the church. It's awesome. He is a family man, a husband, and a filmmaker, and a writer, and not an actor, <laughs> though he's done some good acting and definitely getting the word out there. Garrett Batty, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. Thanks. And my special thanks to Garrett Batty for coming on the show. What an amazingly talented guy. He makes incredible films, but more so, he's just an amazing man doing good things in the world. I so thoroughly enjoyed sitting down and talking to him. Just a great and inspiring guy. This week in my latter-day life, I had a, an interesting experience. As uh, I've mentioned before, we have seven children, and this week, uh, one of my children was having some issues, and it was actually some stuff that my wife and I discovered uh, was going on, and it was not good. And we had to sit down and have a difficult conversation about some things that were going on. And as we had this conversation, some more things came to light. Some more things that this one child of mine were involved in that were just not good. Nothing, you know, earth-shattering, but uh, just not a great situation. And as I sat there pondering kind of how to deal with the situation. There, there have been times in the past where, you know, like a lot of parents, I've lost my cool or I've just, you know, really gotten angry or frustrated or whatever. And as I sat there, I took a moment and I took a breath. And as I did that, I had this incredibly strange thought or almost funny to me in the moment. And that thought was that Heavenly Father does this with me every day. He already knows everything that I do, but every single day he has to reboot with me and he has to hear why I'm sorry for what I've done. And every single day he has to sit down with me and go through what I have done wrong and find uh, ways to, to forgive me when I ask for it. And I don't know why it brought me so much peace in that moment. And I was able to process what my child was going through and listen, and understand better, and it gave me such a sense of perspective. And I think that now, after uh, raising children for, I don't know, 22 years now, I think, I think I'm finally starting to get the littlest tiny piece of it. <laughs> Sad that it's taken me this long, but what a great example Heavenly Father is, and I'm so thankful for that little whispering of the Spirit that helped me to better understand my role as a son of a loving God and how he does this every time. The difference is he already knows what's in my heart, what's in my mind, and what I do. And the fact that he sees fit to forgive me, all I felt for my child was love and acceptance. And how can I help? And how can I forgive? And how can we move forward? 
And that was just a wonderful thing. I've got to admit, as a parent, I don't always think that. There are times where it just drives me nuts what my kids do. But on that particular moment, uh, you know, whatever they say, the veil was thin, the spirit was there, whatever cliche you want to use, that happened to me in that moment. And what a special moment it was. I think the closer we stay to our Heavenly Father, the more we can learn lessons about how to be on earth that will serve us for the eternities. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We greatly appreciate it. If you're not following us on social media, we would love for you to follow us there. We're on Instagram and Twitter and, of course, on Facebook. And if you get a chance to share this with someone who might enjoy it, we just keep growing. You know, it seems like every week the show just gets bigger and it's because of great listeners like you sharing it with your friends and your neighborhood, your family, your ward. And we greatly appreciate it. And so until we meet again, when we've got another great interview for you, please remember, as always, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.